Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of Michael's Mixdown. Uh, Michael's Mixdown is a show about music, production, recording techniques, the history thereof, and all things audio. So if that sounds like your jam, then uh, come on in and jam with us today, plural. Um, you know, I was on YouTube not so awful long ago, and, uh, so, you know, you get recommendations on YouTube when you go on there, and I see... Uh, it was a video titled something like old old guy reacts to tool and so i thought okay i want to see what this guy's all about and then he gets on there and he's just really cool and i really like what he's got to say i i really dig his perspective and then i'm like well i'm gonna shoot this dude an email see what he's got to say and lo and behold here he is uh his channel he goes by the key of gibbs so uh i've got key of gibbs with me today how are you doing man Hey, man, how you doing? Oh, doing fantastic. Always love having people on to talk to, especially when they, they know what kind of nerdy stuff I'm talking about. <laughs> you know what I mean? By the way, it is uh, it is key of Jeebs. Jeebs. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay. So that's okay. Yeah, everybody everybody does that all the time. And, key of and, Jeebs. And until I say it, everyone, so I'm beginning to realize that when I'm starting to do my videos now, now that I'm doing a lot of them, I've, I'm going to, just like you, have a little set thing of things <laughs> Sure. Mention my name, my thing, and then gotcha. just rock and roll from there. Yeah. Oh, my mistake, but I'll, well, it's key of Jeebs, everybody. All right. So, um, like I said, I, I discovered you on YouTube, and these, uh, these videos are all kind of titled Old Guy Reacts To or uh, Composer's Point of View or Decomposer's Point of View, right? Uh, <laughs> So I guess my first question is, is how did that first video, that first tool reaction, what, what brought that on after uh, years of, of your YouTube channel not having reaction videos? You did one once. So what, what kicked that off? Actually, it was my, my daughter and my granddaughter actually um, kind of egged me on in a very weird way. I've got, um, I got six grandkids, two daughters, and... And the grandkids do little reaction videos to toys and stuff. Yeah. You know, for fun, not not for anything else. Yeah. And they post it. And just the local, you know, circle of social media buddies go, oh, isn't that cute and stuff. And and um, so it was like, you know, you want to try one, Abba, which is my nickname for, for grandfather, Abba. And uh, I said, well, and I started looking around and I've been familiar with reaction videos because sometimes they're kind of fun. But... You know, I don't, I don't, I don't dive into them and stuff, but I've yeah. seen them. And then, and then as I was saying, okay, I'll, I'll try one. Um, I looked up a few, just, I just typed in reaction videos to see how people record them. And, and I don't know if I knew how to record one, how do I do it? And all I got is my cell phone and a junky camera. So I went through a little process trying to figuring it out. And then I realized, oh wait, I can use my cell phone. And then I can use the audio from my speakers and then I can go throw it into my editing system and just match everything up. Sure. And that's what I did. That's why that video compared to the rest sounds kind of hazy. It looks good because it came out of my cell phone. Yeah. And it's got, you know, a higher recording um, uh, res. But um, it sounded like crap because it wasn't a direct line. Sure. Yeah. And then I saw somebody had been passing around. I don't know how I came across my browser, but the tool, uh, not a reaction video, but a uh, tool performing sober. Yeah. And I said, I said, oh, wait a minute. I think I've seen this around. Let me go ahead and try it with this. Now, I was, I was 
fairly kind of familiar with Tool. I knew the name, but I wasn't, uh, you know, a longtime deep down fan. Sure. Uh, but I was definitely sure. familiar with and, and I did it. And there it was. Uh, I had zero, zero expectations that anybody would see it. And, um, um, and, and well, here I am. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That- <laughs> it just, it did its thing. And I was just like, holy smokes. All right. right, fine. Let me see if I can have some fun, you know, moving the goalposts a little bit. Right. And so, yeah, like that first video, I think it was like in the couple hundred thousands or something views. And um, because of that kickoff, that video, you've kind of built this community of like an audience, you know, fans that are coming in and commenting and, you know, suggesting the next uh, thing that you you should listen to. And um, and you you talked a lot in your videos about how you're learning things. Uh, based off like the comments of people uh, fill in gaps and things because you'll say, well, I don't, I'm going in this blind. So then they fill in other things and you go back. So um, that just really fascinated me that in this age of the people on the internet that could go on and be mean to anybody with no like repercussions, but they've gone on and said, hey, how about you, how about you try this or, or record it this way or, or you know, wear headphones or it, it'll be better. And so like, it seemed like you got a lot of feedback from people that was uh, just really honest and, you know, great stuff to, to go through. So what's your reaction to all that, all these people? Yeah, I've been, I've been kind of moving slowly forward, still not knowing exactly what to expect. I think, you know, at the very beginning, people were really super cool. And to this very day, you know, 98, 8% of the comments and stuff and, and the feedback is really cool, even when I blow it, you know, because uh, I mispronounce names, <laughs> space. Sure. So uh, me too, apparently. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, and, all right. <laughs> and, you know, I always make these mistakes, but I mean, you know, I think, I think because, um, I don't know necessarily about being an old guy, but that whole thing came about because I uh, was teaching a lot of um, kids in, in, uh, community centers and stuff, how to play ukulele. And, and to a, a seven-year-old, I'm an old guy. So, sure. you know, that's just kind of how it stuck with me, which is fine. You know, I'm, you know, I'm almost only 60, but at the end of the day, the white beard, the whole thing, I think a lot of people maybe saw that as like, oh, okay, he's an old guy. Let's go ahead and help him out. You know, we don't have to, yeah. we don't have to be, uh, you know, hard and negative. I think some of the comments that have come around that have been kind of dark and, and kind of shady, I, I, I'm too old to give a crap. You know, I mean, I sometimes right. I'll, re- I'll say, oh, poor, this guy had a tough day or something, you know, yeah. because most of the comments there are very supportive. And when I do a video um, and people respond, they tell me these great little tidbits about the band that would take me forever to try to figure out, like, you know, to search. And that's sure. not what this is about for me. What this is about for me is exactly what I say all the time, which is, all right, well, I've been a composer my whole life. Um there's a ton of video guys out there. I'm sorry, profile um, YouTube channels out there where these mm-hmm. super qualified guys are doing uh, theoretical breakdowns. Um, of course, most notably, and I've, I'm beginning to watch some of his videos because people are saying, man, you, you're kind of like this Rick Beato, a Beato guy. Yeah, Beato. Yeah, yeah, I watch Beato too. And I watch him and I go, wow, this guy puts in some sick work. Plus, he's got great connections. If he's getting stems from the bands, yeah. you know, to review and play and click, and I mean, yeah, he, he's worth the two million uh, subscribers and, and everything he's got. I mean, because 
he puts in those kind of hours, and I'm nowhere near interested in doing that, you know? <laughs> right. For two reasons. One, I'm not a professor. Apparently, he's a professor of music. And oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, I didn't know that. He's Well, that's, I believe I caught him saying that. And, and, they're, and then they're all the guys. They're all, they either have their bachelor's, their doctorates, their master's or something in music. And I just studied theory for six yeah. or eight months when I was a kid and dumped it. You know, so I'm not going to sit there and try to dust you know, modes and scales and stuff on you um, without feeling confident of what I'm saying. Yeah. I don't need to catch any smoke for any mistakes that are stupid like that. I feel the easiest thing for me is to do exactly what I do for the kids when I teach them ukulele, which is let me just get you to another level, you know, and that's what this has become for me. Let me just get you to sure. another level. <laughs> and uh, by virtue of that, um, it's been working really well and, and people really enjoy it because that's all I want to do is, is talk to the person that knows nothing about music and just, right. And, and I say it in all my videos, I said, if I can just, if I can just increase a little bit, the sonic emotional value of a song for you that you've been listening to since you were a kid or something and say, Hey, did you ever hear this? Or did you ever hear this? Or, you know, right. then, then, then I'm complete. And, uh, and like I said, I ain't going to do a 15 hours worth of production for, I don't have time <laughs> right. for that, you know? Sure. Right. And I mean, I think you got a great like handle on it, but my advice is always to people is don't feed the trolls because I mean, the more you pay attention to them, the more they come around. So the, the people that, you know, leave negative comments are, are overly harsh for no particular reason. Um, but yeah, like you're always going to get that probably. But, um, but when I, when I scroll through some of the comments and stuff, it just always seems to be a great group of people that are commenting on, you know, what, whatever it was that you did or the next thing or, Oh God, I love this band. You should check more of them out and stuff. So that just, that just warms my heart in this, in these trying times that, that there are people, uh, getting on there and just having a blast, uh, yeah. watching your stuff and, and having a little community on there. Yeah. I I'm blown away. I'm, I'm, uh, you know, like I, like you just got through saying, I mean, I don't respond to any of that harsher stuff because I know when someone's coming out of left field and saying just some of the darker stuff, I'm like going, all right, well, he's got some things he's got, he's got to focus on. And, uh, you know, and yeah. I don't even, I don't, I kind of look at it because I'm an old guy already. You could say whatever you want to me. And I'm like, <sighs> you know, Okay. Right. All right. That's cool. That's where your energy wants to be. I'm kind of like, all right, well, I'm going surfing. I'm sorry you feel right. that way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's probably the, that's probably the best way to look at it, man, too. Yeah, truly. Yeah. Um, but just like, this is not a, you know, a political show and I, I won't get real political, but just for, for reference, um, if somebody were ha having to listen to this years from now, um, we're right here in the beginning of 2021 and Donald Trump, the president has been impeached for a second time now and the political climate in the United States seems very kind of hostile. Uh, it seemed like there's a lot of angry people out there. And so um, what these videos, I think, cause I, I scrolled through some comments and I'm not alone in the feeling that some of these, these videos is just like a little escape from some of that. And it's just like, it's really chill. It's just like, we're just going to sit and listen to music and sometimes we learn new things that we didn't know before. And it's, um, it's almost like there's, there's this kind of this strange feeling that it's, it's almost like when somebody says, Oh, you know, you should check out this song. And then you do, it's like, uh, that, that validation or that vindication kind of thing. Like 
dude, I told you that song was awesome, didn't I? And you're like, dude, I know that song's <laughs> awesome. And then, so it's just like, we don't get that a lot with, uh, you know, the last year of coronavirus and stuff. We can't sit down and listen to music at each other's houses as often yeah, probably as we'd point. like. That's a good point. So I think that there are people who are kind of escaping a little bit of, uh, just, you know, the weight of the world by watching your videos and just hanging out. Well, learning yeah. things about music. Yeah, thank you so much for that because I too have been feeling that. I've been catching um, quite a few of those comments, and I and I can't respond to all the. Com- I finally got to a place where I was like, "Oh my god, I got," and and it's 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 a joyous thing actually that people are reaching out to me, but I don't have enough minutes in the day to respond. You know, I'll try. Yeah. I'll hit the heart, and I'll try to you know when there's something that's really uh, close. Like for instance, I, I I have many of those kind of comments that are like. Dude, you have no idea. I'm kind of depressed right now, and things aren't. And and when people say kind of what you kind of surmise that whatever it is that I'm doing, it is if it's distracting people for a little bit of time, um, that's genius. I, it's unex, it's an unexpected or a serendipitous you know thing that's happening uh, yeah. because of my videos. But you know the other thing is is you know music. Music is 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 a, an, an enormous uh, emotional medicine kind of a thing, you know. I mean, yep. there's a whole industry that's uh, what do they call it? Music therapy. I don't know yeah. exactly the mechanics of music therapy. I don't know if you come and see somebody and they you know write a prescription, you know, take two Lady Gagas and call me in the morning. I don't know what it is, <laughs> right? Yeah. But I believe in it. You know, I don't. I'm not dissing. Yeah. The, I'm not dissing the the industry, but sure, yeah, you know. Uh, you may, if you, if you've watched a few of my videos, you may hear me say the soundtrack of life. And yes. And I, I love that saying actually. Yeah. I, and when you get to be, you look like you're fairly young I and mean, you get to be my age and you listen to a song that, that like, I just dropped the deep purple song Stormbringer. And yeah, yeah. I watched that one. And that was, I was 14 years old when I heard that, but I still remember the room I was in with my buddy and it was a sunny day and there was a little smoke in the room and there was a, <laughs> right. you know, I remember everything about that. And, and it becomes a permeated point in your soundtrack of life that, yeah. Um, yeah. you know, and sometimes that soundtrack of life, that song may not be super joyous. You know, sometimes songs I'm hearing people or I'm watching people leave comments saying, hey, you know, my dad passed away and he used to love this song. And now when I listen to this song... You know, I cry a little bit, but thank you so much for giving me something else more to listen to. It helps me appreciate yeah. the song and, and think more of my father. And I'm like, oh, man, I mean, this it's wonderful. But like I said, it's, yeah. this is kind of a collateral, super positive thing that's that happens. And that's all I want to sure. be, man. I don't I'm not I don't sell books. I don't sell DVDs. I don't sell anything. Yeah. Fortunately, I'm still a working composer at my age, but it's dwindling. It's getting less and less because the people that have been hiring me for 30, 40 years, they're getting older, and then the new generation's coming in. I'm cool with that. Sure. I have done okay. Yeah. I'm not, by no stretch of the imaginations, am I sitting on a chunk of cheese? I mean, I live in an attic, pretty much, or a loft, you know? Uh, yeah. So, um, uh, the, the fact, just to circle back, the fact that you brought that up, it's probably one of the m- most remarkable and amazing things that has come of this is the fact that 
and the people are reaching out, you know, a few, not all of them, but a few of them reach out and they really, they really open up. Some of it is kind of like, right. oof, that's kind of heavy, you know, and I can deal with heavy because right. what I do yeah. with these puppets behind me as a ventriloquist and I visit kids in hospital up until COVID, I go to room, room that's my thing. My thing now as an old guy, as I've pivoted with my energy is I'm a ventriloquist as a, a volunteer and I go visit children yeah. in rooms for long-term care and stuff. COVID shut me down. So yeah. I've, I've, I've seen and been in the presence and the energy of harsh things. And yeah. when I hear some of these videos, I sometimes feel some of that like, wow, that's heavy. Okay, I'm here to make you smile. Okay, I'm here to, right. you know, give you something about a song that maybe you like the same song that I do and let me bring out something. And if you've spent, and my, my videos average about, I don't know, about 12 minutes or so. Uh, if you spend that yeah. time with me and that's the 12 minutes that you're not, being influenced by the anxiety and the energy in the universe for whatever that means to you, then I win. Yeah. And then you win. You know? Yeah, for sure. But that's still not the focus of what I'm doing, but I'm just so glad that that's how some people are responding. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like I said, I just, I think that's incredible. Um, and I'm, and I'm really glad that like, say like that's not, that might not have been the intention or the, the thought that that was going to happen going in, but, but it happened and it's just like, yeah. That's that's really cool. Um, it like a lot of what you, you're talking about reminds me of my friend uh, Steve. And if you listen to the show before, there's an episode um, about my friend Steve Robert. In fact, was it this? The, I'm wearing Steve's shirt. Um, oh, cool. I don't know if you, but I I worked live sound for a guy named Steve Robert. Um, when I where I was going to school, I went I went to school at Ball State in Muncie, Indiana, and I worked live sound for him, and he. Not only in addition to being a musician instead, but he he always uh, kind of got up on stage and was basically like, I don't make a lot of money at this. In fact, a lot of times I lose money on this. <laughs> but what I do is I get up here and sing and that's great for me. But people dance and I it, I think it makes people happy. And I try to sing love songs and songs <laughs> that make people feel good. And yeah. um, he always was talked about um, injecting, you know, positive energy into the world and taking a meaningful, you know, loving, caring steps forward uh, to achieve, you know, more, more peace and more happiness in the world. Yeah. That's what we and, need uh, right now. Yeah. Yeah, we do. We, we, re we really need it. And uh, Steve's voice is, is sorely missed because um, he was kind of a, a beacon in, in, uh, you know, central Northern kind of Indiana of this, positivity and this love and care and he was he was really involved in charity work and um so yeah i miss him a lot <laughs> well he's with you here so you know yeah. the, you know the, yeah i always say when i have friends or people that pass away that you know we, we definitely are going to miss him but now the legacy starts right you know yep so like i said I, you know like what you're doing and and kind of what i'm doing i hope you know it, it just injects a little positivity and a little happiness into the world and yeah. um and if people respond to it, then yeah, you know, that's awesome. So, yeah, yeah. So, um, you you talk about the soundtrack of life. I wanted to to touch on that for a second because that's that's something that like really resonated with me because a lot of the the stuff that I have covered already or plan to cover um, is definitely like in the soundtrack of my life. Uh, you like you say you mentioned Deep Purple. Um, my mom, when I was a kid, she had this big cedar chest full of CDs, chock full of them. Like, 
I mean, probably 500 plus CDs in this chest. And I used to just, I had like a little portable CD player, like battery powered CD player <laughs> and itty bitty little headphones. And I would just go rummage around in that thing and get, you know, stuff out. And, um, but one of the, one of the first things that I at least remember digging out of that was uh, machine head. <clears throat> and I, you know, listened to that, you know, probably a dozen times, you know, before I moved on to the next thing, I was thought, thought that was such a cool album. Uh, and what's funny is like, I, I haven't gone back for uh, deep purple in a long time. So, uh, sometime when you you post a video, it reminds me. Oh yeah, go back and explore more of that. Like even if I'm familiar with a lot of the things that that you're uh, posting about, a lot of your the bands that you cover, it's like I'm familiar with those. But sometimes it's like, oh yeah, go back for that. Go back and do listen to some more of that. And it's kind of a, a like a little reminder to go mm-hmm. back and visit some some old memories and and listen to some other stuff you hadn't hadn't cur- covered before. So. Yeah, I think it's, you know, um, that's why I came up with the, you know, why this song melt, why this song makes your face melt or whatever that series is. I just kind of came up with it on a whim um, because I did want to go back and bring up songs from the past uh, that, well, uh, you know, of course, were part of my soundtrack of life, but it just so happens they're uh, very popular songs within the genre in which I'm still kind of covering here. And yeah. you know, I have a lot of eclectic uh, background with my music. Like I have a heavy jazz Latin fusion influence uh, coming from my family, you know. Uh, you know, but I don't talk about that here because one of the things that I've realized is like, okay, well, I started off with Tool and um, I'm, I'm building a lot of really super cool people on that genre and stuff, prog rock. And, yeah. And then, but this, see, this is this is the great thing. Um, and then I'll circle right back into uh, the uh, make your face melt thing. Is that yeah, sure. you know, when I just started off playing around with the tool song, and, and I go, no one's even going to see this, and then it turns into what it's turning into. Um, when people start commenting, hey, you got to listen to this track. Hey, you got to listen to this track. Hey, you got to listen to this track. Well, I wouldn't necessarily listen to the track that they sent me because what I try to do is not listen to all the tracks people send me so I can do a reaction right. video. Yeah, you know, I just right. start my stuff and I hit play and just go. But what I will do is I'll go, well, there are a lot of people are talking about this album, so I might go into their album that they're talking about and click on, oh, oh, you know, and then I start to discover, you know. So to keep yeah. that ball moving forward, um, it, it's a wonderful thing that I've been able to go. Th- I never heard of Opeth. I've never heard right. of Carnival. I've never heard of any of these bands because I was already, I'm in my bubble. You know, I'm in, yeah. I'm a little old guy that's in my bubble. Yes, these bands have been around for a long time. Yes, Tool's been around since the early 90s. But, you right. know, remember, I'm, I was a working composer and the record business wasn't my business. The yeah. media music business was my business. So my whole job was creating music for media, film, TV, music libraries, production libraries. Once I wrote my music, yeah. I was out and I went surfing or did whatever it is I wanted to do, you know. And uh, right. so I didn't have a real rich, um, um, I don't know what you want to call it, um, pop culture discography in almost any ge- uh, genre. 
at all, sure, yeah. you know, because I'd be going in, I'd do my work, I'd get, I'd get my work job done, and I split, you know, and I didn't really listen to it. I think the only time that I really got involved and listened to music and went, ooh, I'm going to buy the CD was the Joe Satriani, Steve Vai, um, Eric Johnson, Mark Bonilla kind of work in the 80s, you know, the instrumental metal, yeah. instrumental yeah. lead work, you know. But I wasn't really necessary. And then the other stuff was Peter Gabriel and Sting and stuff, but not in the uh, prog rock genre as much, even though I was influenced by early 60s and 70s, which you can tell by my makes my felt my face melt segment. Yeah, I think it's important for me to go back. Also, it's important for me to go back, too, because I don't want to be I don't want to constantly be shocked by what I'm listening to. I think I think I'd like to listen to something we can talk about a little bit. And I know what's coming around the corner. (laughs) So. Yeah, right. And that and that's kind of like this whole show is is I only talk about things that I can deep dive into or things I'm familiar with. Um, but I do have a, a one episode in a series that I'll, I will get back to one of these days that I just call soloed. And uh, it, it's basically a, I heard a song on like a Spotify or something. They, they do this um, thing where they recommend you like a playlist every week. And it's oh, like your, cool. your recommended weekly thing. And it's it's uh, Discovery Weekly. That's what it's called. And I'll hear a song on there and go, "All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna save that for later." And I will circle back around to that. And it's it's kind of a combination. I've heard this before, but not a million times. And I'm just gonna stop and you know pop in a couple of things here and there. And that way, I don't spend months, you know, fifteen twenty hours on on right. every episode. Sure, but, sure, that makes sense. Yeah, you got to get back to that, yeah. man. Yeah. Yeah, I will eventually. But these interview episodes, I've got, I've had a couple now, and they're they're also kind of edit light, um, as it were. So I can I can do these, and and they're fun, and I think people enjoy them because the last one I did had had more hits than anything else I've done. So um, I like that word. <laughs> more hits. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, so. You, you've t- kind of briefly touched on that your career um, as a composer. Now, if, if I gathered this right from some of your other videos, you, you worked in L.A. as a composer and then and some as an audio engineer as well, right? Yeah, um, yeah. So can you tell me a little bit about like kind of the your career, some of the things you worked on or you know, where you've been a my little tra- bit? Yeah, my trajectory was really odd. So I was born in a very busy musical family. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, instruments, recording gear and stuff was something I'd, I'd been around uh, probably not until I was about six or seven. My dad started collecting things and so on and so forth. And and by virtue of being in a family like that, I had had exposure to people teaching me how to play piano, drums. I went to violin lessons, classical guitar, bass, and all that sort of stuff. And then I yeah. did three years in choir, which was very odd for me because could you imagine Jeff Spicoli going to choir and that's exactly what it would have been because I had hair down to here, I had a mullet, it's the 70s and all of a sudden I like choir but it's a weird thing because I really loved uh, the voicings in choir and I started studying yeah. like uh, certain things. So I, I, in one part of my life I was growing my, my palette of um, creative opportunity, options. You know, when my father was a very famous yeah. string arranger an orchestrator, uh, more famous of a string arranger than orchestrator, but he did about a dozen films in Hollywood as an orchestrator conductor. And his thing is voicing. I learned a lot of my uh, orchestral works uh, from top to bottom and voicings and stuff like that from my father. From my uncle, he was the meter maniac. And that's where I got heavily influenced with my meter 
uh, kind of uh, compositions was uh, my uncle, who's still alive. My father passed away about eight yeah. years ago. My uncle's still alive. And um, that's the beginning. That set the base of my music um, until I took a little break. And um, I came here to Hawaii for about three years and just found myself. Didn't touch a guitar, nothing. Just then realized something was uh, missing. So I came back to L.A. and um, got a series of, of jobs. One of them was... Uh, with like the Guitar Center Studio Sydney when it was a box. It was a shoe box on the corner yeah. of like Ventura and Kester. It had like, you know, I mean, I'm kidding you. It was it was small. It is probably the size of what the drum room of any guitar center is now. Really? And, uh, but that's where I learned a lot about um, the very first um, mainstream MIDI, you know, kind yeah. of stuff. And uh, the Otari 1040ST and then the, you know... Uh, all the all the toys that started coming out the D50 the S50 and uh, the the SP1200 the Lindrum and all the electronic stuff the DX7s and stuff coming out so i got 6 months there before i got fired mm, yeah i got fired you see i i don't hold that against me i don't even, i'm still not mad no <laughs> right but but um but what ended up happening is that you know here i get a little bit of 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 education here here i have education here and then i realized that um uh, I just needed a job flat out. And my dad was a little kind of, dude, you're wasting your life not being in the industry. So I went and got a job, actually, as a second engineer at a pretty busy recording studio in like 1983 or four. And yeah. um, analog days. And, yeah. uh, you know, you had to align the machines. It was pretty scary stuff, uh, you know, to align each machine to sessions. I had to learn all about microphones. Everything was hands-on. I didn't know nothing about nothing, except I recognized what a tape machine and a console was because my dad had one, except it's an itty bit. Now I go into right. one of these Hollywood recording studios, and now I've got, you know, 48 channels of this, a patch bay yeah. that looks like hell, and all these huge <laughs> right. things on the wall, you know, and which ended up being compressors and reverbs and et cetera, et cetera, yep. et cetera. And uh, so hands-on with my engineering there, I probably spent, I don't know, a couple of years at a place called Studio Sound and got under the wings of two really great guys, uh, Alan Hirschberg and Les Brockman, uh, very yep. patient with me. And they trained me, and uh, I was a second engineer, which also meant take out the trash, get the food for the artists, and all the yep. great things that go along with that gig. Yep, yep. And um, that's when I got most of my engineering experience. All of my engineering that I did in, I worked at three different studios over the course of like six years in the 80s, um, were all second engineer work. All of the first right. engineer work I did were demos that came through the studio that the engineers didn't want to do. So they yeah. would throw me up, oh, hey, Jeeves, why don't you go in there and go do the demo, you know? And that's how I got a lot of my engineering chops. The only creds that I have on engineering is a second engineer for, I don't know, mostly Latin American stuff because there's one studio in Burbank, that's what they catered to. So, you know, you see sure. my name in credits as a second engineer, but not, not as an engineer. But as far as an engineer, I probably did at least, I don't know, maybe about 50, 60, 70 demo tracks for artists that were coming in, renting the sure. studio to get their songs done for, you know, uh, A&R guys and stuff. And, um, you know, cut my sure. teeth there. I learned I learned quite a bit about the industry and, and engineering there. And then from that point on, uh, I got a publishing deal in the early 80s to write music because during that period, one of the funny things that was happening is that I'd be working on these demos for people who are, um, you know, for doing demos for record companies or whatever. 
and they would have issues sometimes. They, you know, didn't play a piano part right, or they're stuck on an arrangement, and I'd go, hey, um, I got an idea. Like, you're not really supposed to do that. But then I end <laughs> right. up playing guitar on this, or play bass on this, or play keyboards on this, or, you know, work out an arrangement for somebody, and then all of a sudden I get hired to do a star search arrangement for one of the contestants you know that's like a minute and a half you have to take a song and cut it down to a minute and a half and all of a sudden i start getting hired doing these things i start off as an engineer and all of a sudden i'm playing some music on some people's projects then all of a sudden i'm doing some light arrangements and all of a sudden i'm getting hired to do you know um complete songs uh not only as an engineer but will i produce it will i arrange it will i compose it yeah sure no problem and right I'm, i'm telling you the fast forward story but then um uh, the late 80s, I got a two-year publishing deal, and that kind of didn't go anywhere, but it went everywhere because I met some really super great people, got nothing placed, but worked with some fantastic people, and um, uh, got uh, mentored by super producer uh, Nick Vinay. Um, okay. Beach Boys' first album, just tons of stuff. If you if you ever look up Nick Vinay with a V, um, he and I, for about seven months, were inseparable and he's telling me all these stories and all these how-tos and right. um and then generally that's it after the publishing deal um that broke down for about a year i was just kind of trolling around but i did get a lot of super great gear out of that publishing deal then i opened up my own writing studio and uh, the rest is history from there i ended up just anybody needed anything done i'll write it for you jazz hip-hop yeah. techno i don't care let me do it and i did it mm-hmm. yeah And then uh, through the 90s, I got some really big commercial jobs like, you know, Ford Pontiac, Dirt Devils, you know, commercial, national commercials. And uh, yeah, did some of that. And that was really super cool. Did a bunch of uh, independent films back in the day. That was cool. And the real big jackpot for me was in the late 90s. Somebody hired me to do with with something called music libraries. I go, what the hell's a music library? You know what one is? Mm hmm. Not off the top of my head, no. Okay, so a music library is, um, and it's more prevalent now than back then, is in my case, I've written close to 3,000 tracks in 25 years for music libraries, and they're floating all around the world. And what a music library is, is that uh, let's say you're, you have, uh, you're an editor at a station and you're putting together your 30-second promo when you need music, so you need already pre-cleared and, and published music that's been licensed uh, to you, okay, yeah. and then you just pull it. It's like stock footage. It's like stock pictures. Yes. Okay. Except it yeah, lives I, It, it I, lives I'm, in the editor's bay. Well, nowadays, you know, they have a big hard drive. So all of a sudden, mm-hmm. I started getting in the mid-late 90s. I got hired, you know, by this guy who I still work for, who still gives me work. Sometimes I just wonder if he thinks, ah, poor Jeeves, he's old. Let me throw him a couple. <laughs> but... Um, <laughs> And I've just written thousands of tracks, stingers, station IDs, you know, all the small things that, yeah. you know, are happening here. And I was just happy with it. I went, okay, fine. Is this what I'm doing yeah. for the rest of my life? I don't care. I'll write a bunch of music and I get to go surf. And that was pretty right. much it. You know, there's there's a lot deeper, richer story in some other as- aspects like the recording industry and stuff I was involved with. Yeah. But, you know, um, like I said, the short trajectory is that. And then I came here to Hawaii, and so I did that. I came to Hawaii first when I was a kid, came back to L.A., stayed in L.A., did all this stuff until the late 90s, and then came back to Hawaii. And my connection to Hawaii is my mother lives here. She's still alive. My mother lives here. Okay. Yeah. And once I came here, um, I just kissed Hollywood goodbye. I didn't really want to stick around to try to chase any big major 
you know, I want to be a famous composer kind of gigs. And I got really lucky and some of that stuff just followed me. And I've probably done six or seven indie films as recently as last November. Yeah. And still do music libraries. I make enough to buy a bar of wax and I'm going surfing. Right. <laughs> there you go. There's my uh, life right there. But yeah, the uh, music library, the, the, that term didn't hit me, you know, like square on the head or maybe it didn't. That's why I couldn't, but, um, but yeah, when I was in school, they, they gave us a couple like people's websites and that's, that's primarily what they do is just sell licenses to, to stuff to, um, and then like, if you're, if you're at a university and you're using it for an educational purpose, then they, that's a, a free and clear license to use that as long as you're not publishing it somewhere to, to try to make a buck. But um, but yeah, I, I am familiar with a few people that, that basically that's solely kind of what they do for a living. And, um, yeah, I and mean, there's, I mean, I just, you know, every quarter you catch some royalties only, you only get royalties, obviously, if your stuff makes it on cable and TV and stuff like yeah. that. Um, and I just, I think it was my last quarter. I looked at, it, I was going for God's sakes, the Kardashian used music that I wrote in like 1999. I was like, really? Okay. I don't care, you know, sure. it still shows up on my survey and, and, you know, I get uh, my cup of coffee out of it, you know, yeah. that's what it pretty much pays nowadays. But um, yeah, but that, that's the game. It's, it's, if, if you can get it, if you can stay in it, it it'll keep your cell phone on. Right. Right. Yeah. And uh, this, I don't even know if this may interest you, but like the, the music industry basically lives in LA. I mean, I think most people that know much about, about it basically understand that. Um, but I live in the Midwest, you know, I live in Indiana and the music scene out here is, in, is like the recorded music scene. I mean, is so strange because you've got like hundreds of people in like bedroom studios, either recording uh, their own stuff or, or recording for other, other folks. But uh, what's weird is, I mean, it's, it's not weird. It's, um, it's an interesting phenomenon that we, we have more recording artists and more recording spaces here than most people realize. And so it's, uh, you know, it's kind of cool. Like you say, like you, you just, you take what you can get. If you're, if you're going to chase after it, then you kind of have to just take what you can get. But I, I know a lot of people that, that make a living in, in music around here, producing like podcasts for people and editing uh, voiceover jobs and doing all kinds of recorded work, uh, uh, eBooks and audiobooks and all, you know, all kinds of different stuff. Um, but we, uh, there are a few of us here in central Indiana that are trying to turn that perception around that you, you have to go out to Chicago or Nashville or fly all the way to LA or New York to get a recording project done um, cause there's just, there's a lot of it here. We're just, we're just trying to get connected with, with everybody else, you know, that. Right. Well, I think, I think one of the things is too, is that, you know, the cool thing about being my age is I've seen it all from, you know, the early seventies until today. And yes, now everybody, anybody that has four or $5,000, you can open up a pretty sick little studio in the right. back of your house, you know? Yeah. And, um, you know, nowadays too, with, with a lot of the, uh, major, um, sample libraries and effect like, um, not STL, but you can now annually pay a contract for, for like three, $400 a year. And you have some of the most amazing post-production plugins that you can ever spend your money on. Yep. 
and the most amazing samples that used to cost tens of thousands of dollars at your fingertip. So the thing is, is that I don't know that there's enough of a record business, record industry business that caters to a budget that would have people go into a recording studio in Los Angeles and, and Hollywood or, and New York and Chicago. It's out there, but it's thinning out faster than anything. I think I've not, almost all recording studios that I have ever worked at are all closed. They're all gone. Yeah. Um, one of them, one of them turned yeah. into a, um, one of them turned into a, um, a Foley and voiceover something or other out in, in Hollywood and stuff, but they're all gone is because yeah. there's no budgets for the big, you know, the big records anymore. So the one thing you touched on is that people are now doing everything at home and, and they are knocking it out at home and that's what they're doing. And because of the quality, two things, because of the quality of what you can get out of the studios for fairly inexpensive, number one, because if you could have all the great stuff in the world, but if you produce and compose and play like crap, it's just going to sound like polished crap. Right. But if you're really good at what you do, you can really make that thing rock. And number two, the general audience's ear of today's generation has been so dummied down. Yeah. That, and you know that as a, as a technical person, as an engineer, I mean, there's a funny joke that went around. It's a great meme that you can go spend $100,000 to record an album on an SSL 6000E series console into Pro Tools, use a Neumann U87, a Fed 87, a, 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 a AKG you know, 414s and all these killer things. And then you can go ahead and you mix it out and you can master it. And at the end of the day, the guy's listening, listening to it on his phone on a compressed MP3 out of $20 headsets. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so that, that kind of disintegration of the sound, not disintegration, but dissemination, no, disintegration of the sound is just what, the, what, what has happened with technology. Right. It's happening right now with video. We're getting used to less and less kind of as the, as I'm talking about, so you just opened that Pandora's box of me. I'm talking about <laughs> the public in the world at large are okay with seeing so, so looking video on their cell phone. They're entertained now. Yeah. And they're okay with hearing, it sounds good. I like it, rock and roll, because for those of us who listen to music with our cans on, we're still of the smallest percentage of the person who just yep. takes their phone and hooks it up to a little Bluetooth speaker and then puts it out by the beach yep. and is not really enjoying the music in a way we wish they would because we're right. engineers and composers and stuff. They're just going, yeah, fire, fire, fire. You know what I mean? And they're right. not getting the depth and they, they're not getting the dynamics of it. Yeah. And that is a very high percentage of the listener. Right. Which is fine by me because I understand it. Right. You know, yeah. but as a composer, the funny thing is, is that uh, even the stuff that I write for music libraries, it's an inside joke with most composers that do it. It's good enough for TV. It's good enough to go. Yeah. You know, because it's going to get squashed and crunched way below sound effects, voiceovers and stuff. Doesn't mean that we do crappy work. Right. Yeah. It's just, but... we're not going to be, sweat- we're not sweating the, you know, we're not sweating the things that people might sweat. Let's just say, um, Who's this? There's this one guy I'm really right now enamored with his engineering. Um, Nolly Good um, is he's a bass player for he played bass for Periphery, I think. His name is uh, his, his nickname is called Nolly or something. Yeah, like that. I've, I've heard that name somewhere. Yeah. Oh, he's brilliant. His engineering is brilliant. I mean, it's just insane. But the experience is in the cans. 
yeah. or the experience in a really good set of speakers. You know, right. I mean, the musicianship yeah. is all just epic, but as an engineer and I listen to his separation and where his tones are and stuff, I'm like, yeah, okay. All right. There's, there's still, it, there's still hope. There's still somebody you know? out there. Right. And you know, it's like, it's funny, like, um, you know, kind of <clears throat> in the beginning, there was mono. And then, you know, we, we went to stereo and, uh, for anybody that, that doesn't know in, you know, in the beginning of recorded sounds, there was one thing that captured sound and there was one thing that played the sound back out. And then, uh, well, you know, some point in the forties or fifties, they started to work on this idea of stereo and then, uh, stereo in, in the home consumer type, uh, affair wasn't really popularized probably till the late sixties and early seventies. Cause some of the, like some of the Beatles albums were still coming out like mono versions and stereo versions. Um, and then there was quadraphonic, which didn't really make it into the market, right? Really big, but, but there was a, a quad speaker four speaker setup thing at one time. And then we had surround sound, which is uh, now we call 5.1. Um, and, and then there's, there's technology beyond that now. Cause they, they started doing like 7.1 and like 9.1. And then you have like, you can add subwoofers so you can get point five point two five point four And then now there's Dolby Atmos where there's, I don't know, a thousand speakers in a room they're in the floor and they're in the seat and they're in the ceiling, but kind of a Tesla kind of thing. Yeah. But we Tesla the car, but Tesla, the scientist. Yeah. Right. But then this is what people listen to music on, though, this cell phone. And it has, well, mine actually has stereo speaker because I'm a, a nerd and I wanted one with stereo. But like most of the iPhones and stuff have one speaker and most of the Bluetooth is it's all in mono. And so it's kind of strange how we regressed from stereo being like everybody lost their mind. Like, OK, everybody's got a stereo now. Now we're back to mono a lot. Uh, people. Well, that's what I'm enjoying, at least with what I'm doing. Yeah. Is, you know, when I always talk about my cans, you know, I got these just classic sets of, you know, AKG 240s. They've been around since the Last Supper, man. I mean, right. I've, I, and the only reason why I still have them is because I remember this from the recording studios that I used to work at. Yep. These are, these are AKGs as well. Are those, are those, which ones are those, the uh, M2s? Uh, these are the, called the K7XX. So they're 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 kind of a, a mass produced version of the like the K seven oh two. they're like the K seven twelve. It's over the year and partially open. Yeah, they, these are totally open. Yeah. Totally yeah, open. good. Yeah, I like that. You gotta have moving air. That's yeah. Gotta, a lot of people will get the headsets that actually press the ears and stuff, and that's just that mm -hmm. just is actually robbing you of of certain tone elements, but right, um, yeah. yeah, no, you're right. You're right. That's just what it is. You know, I always think of it as like when you were saying, you know, we had stereo and then quad and then 5.1 surround sound, you know, there's always going to be a line called Ferrari. Yeah. And only there's two people that are going to get Ferrari. One is just a show and go. And then the other one is to sit there and actually enjoy it. And there will always be the Ferrari listeners. Okay. Yeah. But in general, they're just, you know, all the rest of the cars that we see out there that are sold to the masses, that is passive entertainment. Right. You know, and um, doesn't mean nowadays, though, it's really cool is at least nowadays I can, I can sit in a new car. Sometimes when I go do my things, when I used to go out and drive around um, and rent a car in, in the mainland, at least if I turn on some stereos, I go, Oh, that's some pretty nice bottom for stock, you know, yeah, the yeah. stock systems that are at least sounding halfway decent where I'm going, okay. I can listen to this. I'm impressed. I'm cool. And I'll be listening to classical music or whatever my jam was at the moment. And 
sounds good. So it's not those right. little dinky speakers that we used to get in our 1978 Toyota B210s. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> or Datsun. Um, yeah, Datsun. Um, so we, you know, it's like I've got a, I've got a uh, surround sound in this room behind me, and then I've got uh, two speakers that I added on these uh, up here. I'll turn this around so you can see them. Not, people at home won't be able to see these, but I've got these Focals that I like, and then the the JBLs are part of the uh, the surround sound. Um, and it's it's funny, like a lot of the artists that you're covering, so like the the Tool, uh, Dream Theater, Nightwish, all those kind of progressive. Um, bands they they are producing music in 5.1 surround sound like they'll they'll they sell their stereo cd but then if you buy like a special edition um then you you get like a 5.1 mix on a dvd that you can you know plug into your your computer your your playstation your dvd player whatever um and you've got a, a 5.1 mix and the i I wish that, you know, more artists would pick up on that, but it, there's really not a market for it, unfortunately, because I'm I'm in the 1% here. Like you said, like most people, even if they do have a 5.1, uh, it's probably something they bought in a box at Best Buy and not a system that they designed like I, I did this one. So, um, but like I see, I'm, I'm in the 1% mega nerd with the, the, the surround sound. But, um, but what's crazy is when people come over, they're always like, oh, my God. Like, I can't believe that how awesome Right, it's like sitting sounds. in a theater and you hear the, uh, you know, the opening of, of some kind of Pixar movie and it does yeah. that, you know, you're listening in. You know. Right. Or like just well, the beginning you, of Star It's good Wars. that you can deliver that experience to your friends. That's cool beans. But, yeah, you know, yeah. you and I are kind of geeky that way. So, you know, um, but I also consider us kind of fortunate. We're, yeah. We, yeah. That, that'll, that'll bring also – an element of like, ooh, that was weird, you know, when you listen to something. <laughs> but I think, you know, well, at least we can celebrate it and we can enjoy it. That's what this channel is all about for me yeah. is that if I can bring out a dynamic such as that, like if you've listened to some of my stuff, I really dive deeper into the ambience of engineering or yeah. or effects that, that people use or the left-right. You know, I say, hey, do you hear how yeah. the guitar went from mono and then all of a sudden here um, – they punched into the hook and then they just went hard left, hard right. Yeah. And you'd be surprised when I'm listening to or I'm watching the comments going, I had no idea. Well, I'm glad that they figured it out after I said it. But in my mind, I'm going, how did you not hear that? Yeah. You know, as just the listener. And it's because they don't have headsets on. They're not listening with headsets. And unless you're sitting tight center, you know, yep. in front of a stereo to hear and get that, you you will not absorb that. Yep. So... And I think music, music right now, more so than ever, because of what we opened this whole thing up on, which was the energy of what's happening in the world right now, has become so personal. And we have become a society of headsets lately, or lately yeah. meaning the last 10, 15 years. So much more accessible, so much more cooler. And yeah. now we got the, you know, the Bluetooth buds and stuff. Yeah, the wireless. And and the wireless and stuff. That Now that experience is personal, and I just feel maybe my timing is perfect with my channel because... If most people who are listening on, even if it's just crappy $20, you know, headsets, they may not hear all the tones that I'm hearing, but they'll yeah. get the reference of when I say, you see how the guitar player, he's playing this little pattern right down the middle, but then they have a stereo digital delay that's timed in an eighth and in a, and, and in a quarter, and it's going ping, 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 yeah. ping, 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 pong ping, delay, ping. Yeah. yeah, the Pong delay, the Eddie Van Halen delay with his solo and stuff. And, right, yeah. Uh, you know, and 
onwards and onwards and onwards. It's an, you know, it's an engineering trick. I can take any mono signal that's a raw mono signal and split it without using a doubler by using other you yeah, know, effects right. and you know, yeah. blah, blah, blah. So, yeah. But yeah, and and maybe hopefully the people will see you that you at the top of most of your videos. I still get questions about the cans there, <laughs> the AKG 240s. So maybe people will look into better cans, um, which is kind of an, an audio geek term for for headphones. So a lot of people in yes. the industry call these cans. But um, but yeah, may, I I would hope maybe that somebody at least you know one out of a thousand people or whatever watches just well, I'm going to look at those because I think the those two forties, they're they're under a hundred bucks. They're like sixty or seventy bucks or something. Like yeah, it, and, they're and, they're and not you know really what? expensive. It's it's been really super cool because you know I don't make money on my channel. Uh, YouTube yeah. won't yeah. monetize me, not because of the things that I'm doing recently. It has something to do with some stuff in the past. So I'm just waiting for somebody to get back to me. Yeah, from YouTube yeah. and say because it's it's an automated thing. When you say hey, can you monetize me? This this bot goes through your 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 page and either gives you a thumbs up or thumbs down. Yeah. Well, I've tried three times. I'm like, going, listen, dude, some, or do that. <laughs> Whoever picks up the yeah. phone, which one of the videos keep pinging it? I'll take it off. I don't care. It's not, and I don't want to run ads, but I want to run that little thing. There's a, there's a thing that you can run that has like a little applause thing, a little bar at the bottom. It has to yeah. do with YouTube. And if you like it, you can click on it and you can, if you want to tip me or something, but I think it's a screw it. I set up my own tip thing. But the cool thing about the AKG, um, thing is that I'm selling, you know, maybe the AKG people a little later down the line might say, hey, here's some headsets or, you know, here's some, you know, product placement money. It's it's definitely not a goal. Right. But I know but that a happens. lot of people, yeah, it'd be fun, but I know a lot of people are leaving comments going, hey, I just bought one and this these things sound great. I'm like, oh, right. cool beans. Right. We'll, we'll get ready for the journey because here we go. Right. Yeah. yeah. And and I guarantee that, I mean, if you are a, a a music listener, a music lover. Now there, there's kind of a, the, those people. And then the audiophiles, the people that are, are in this for, for big money. But, but if you love music, um, you, I always tell you, you need to invest a little bit of your money into a, a good set of, uh, headphones are normally easier, more accessible, cheaper to buy than a, than a great stereo. Plus a lot of people, you know, I live in an apartment or whatever. I've got kids. I can't, I can't be blaring stuff on a stereo. And so I totally get that, but, but a good set of headphones are pretty easy to get these days. And, um, I mean, I think the, these are under $200. So like you, you can, if you want to throw, you know, hundred, 200 bucks at them, you can get really nice cans. Um, and, and really, like you said, kind of unlock that next level of thing where people, you, you might not have heard that before on your, your iPhone buds or whatever come with your phone. Uh, right. these things really bring out a lot of detail. Uh, and a lot and of that's, nuance. And that's and, what I, that's the premise of what I do is because I'm listening with my headsets on. Yeah. And because I'm an engineer as well, that when I talk about, you know, uh, as far as I remember from my very first engineering days, you know, the drums were always my very first go to uh, instrument to start up on my mix. You yep, know, let me get the me. drums and let me get the ambiance and let me get that kind of straightened out. Let me get it where I like it. Because to me, the drums represent the the width of the room or the width of whatever potential um, ambient effect, plate, yeah. reverb, hall. And because, uh, you know, to me, I'm, I'm more of an overhead guy. I never really have, do a lot of uh, post effects on kits unless they're purposeful. 
And in the case of the snare, you know, that's the one where you can leverage a little bit more, in my personal opinion, um, ambient style effect on it. You know, you'll have the kick nice and socked in the middle, completely dry, right. 10 different ways to mic that with blankets, blah, 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 blah. And then you have the overheads, which are just the ambient, you know, and that also is really important for the cymbals and the hi-hat, actually. Yeah. And even though you have mics on the hi-hats and the snare and across the toms, the snare, top, bottom, et cetera, and many different ways, as well as the toms, um, I really focus on, um, you know, the overheads that I'm going to get, the, the, the sound I want out of that, out of my overheads, and then the sound I may want to put on the snare. Because that'll, to me, filling in the rest is based around how I set the tones for my kit. Yeah, right. You know, if I play, if I try to do the kit after I start squaring off the rest of it, it just does it just doesn't work. I I I don't think any engineer starts as you know guitar first, bass first, and then brings up the drums. I think you know you got to set everything with the yeah the the, the thing that's going to kick the meters the hottest. You know, get that right. squared off. Yeah, if, if they start with something, it's probably that they play that thing or they started their career playing that thing, and then now they're an engineer. Uh, but yeah, like I the the drums for me have always been like the heartbeat of a song because it drives the rhythm and everybody else is locked into what the drums are doing. So even if the drums are not like, a, you know, like the forward focal point, because I've heard plenty of mixes where the drums are, are, are kind of like a mile back, mile back and yeah. they're just sort of keeping time. But like you, I feel like you have to, I agree with you. You have to start there and work your way uh, up onto other things. Yeah, you know, that's the thing. I mean, you're right. There's tons of tracks out there where the drums are really far behind. Then there's tons of tracks where the drums are right up in your face. Yeah. It also depends yeah. on who the producer and engineer is. If it's a drummer, you're going to get it a little more right. up in your face. Right. But um, uh, it's just for me, they're just for me personally, you know, you have cymbals that are kicking up tones up in 10,000 K, uh, 10,000, 10,000 K, yeah. up into 10 yeah. K. And then you have the lowest of the tonal spectrum represented in the kick and or floor toms. So for right, me, right. and because that isn't for, for me, because that's a percussive and, um, you know, I don't, I don't sit there and I don't, um, not noise gate. What am I thinking? I don't limit any of that stuff. Yeah. You know, yeah, so yeah. when I see that I'm going to be hitting certain things and how are things I got to set, once I get the, my, my tone, um, palette squared with my drums, then I'll just group everything. You know, and then pull them down, work on the sounds on the other things, and they just kind of slowly move up the drums. And then, you know, it's a slow process of mixing. You know, you're, yeah. it's, if, yeah. you're, if you're a producer and an engineer in a band that's recording, you're already starting to pre-think of your mix even while you're recording. Yeah, You're already thinking about how is this going to mix out later? Let me do this, let me do this, let me do this, so that I can limit my chance of having a hassle with sounds in the mix. You know, so right. you're thinking three, four, five steps down. Is I mean, I am. Yeah. I'm not saying that's yeah. the school of, of of engineering, but right. You know, I, I came from the school of hard knocks, so I made a lot of my mistakes and learned from them. You know. Yeah, for sure. Well, um, I did also want to ask about the uh, you brought up the puppeteering, and in the background of all your videos, you can see the puppets uh, back there. So you you do children's work with the uh, the puppets and the ukulele and uh teaching i i did i i looked at a few of the videos um you were with a a, a woman who who was uh teaching like uh how to count in uh hawaiian and uh, colors and things right so um so tell me a little bit about that or how kind of uh, how that got started and and what you do 
It's the weirdest story in the world, but I, I can tell it in under a minute. Sure. Um, <laughs> uh, I was involved with a, a company out here where uh, a friend of mine has, well, not a friend of mine, an acquaintance of mine has uh, a tour company where you show things out. It's called Kualoa Ranch, and it's a 4,000-acre property, and it's very well known for the Jurassic Park, Jurassic World backgrounds, you know, where they shoot all the B-roll okay. and stuff, you know, kind of thing. And yeah. um, I was going through a kind of a tough patch in my life and stuff, and I needed something else to do to keep me busy. So my friend said, hey, go visit John. Go get a job over there. You'd be a really good tour guide. Well, I loved it because it had to do with Hollywood and because I have enough experience also in post-production and stuff, I was able to tell people as I took them through these tours, this is how they do it. One of the things that we used to do as a fun little gimmick for the tourists is, uh, or for the visitors is that we actually, there was still an actual piece of the Jurassic Park log there. So people would come and look at it and take pictures. And then we would take a little figurine, like, like let's say, oh, let's say this right here. I would take a figurine and I would place people in the distance and have them go, ah. Okay. And I take the figurine and click the picture so it looks like the dinosaur yeah. is eating them, right? Forced perspective well, picture, yeah. Exactly. And so, and you could see that, you know, it's, it's all over cool little ranch uh, social media stuff and pictures and stuff like that. Okay. I decided I wanted to take it a different level. I went and, and looked for puppets, you know, big ones, kind of like Disneyland style things. So expensive coming out of China and stuff. And then I found a, a company or a person that makes ventriloquist puppets. I go, ventriloquism. Oh, yeah, okay. But I, saw, I found this one killer dinosaur, excuse me, puppet, and I bought it, thinking I'd go back to the ranch and use it and have fun. Sure. Well, sure. It, it was good for the ranch and all that, but it didn't go where I hoped it would have. Like, I wanted to be the mayor of Frontierland, like that guy at Disneyland. Right. I wanted to be that for the ranch. Like, I'd just walk around with this big old dinosaur puppet. He'd be eating leaves, and I would talk about a Parasaurolophus. You know, that's the kind of dinosaur it was. And that didn't work out. Well, now I'm sitting here with a $1,200 ventriloquist puppet. And I'm going, you know, all right, my name is Aaron. And I sucked. I was horrible. And that's when I get practice. I look up some stuff on YouTube and stuff. And yeah. it just so happens I put on, a, I did my very first stupid joke on my own little personal Facebook page. So all my friends would go, oh, geez, what is he up to now? And I do this little thing. And I'm still not that good. And somebody goes, yeah, you know what? You're not that good. But I want to turn you on to somebody that books talents in the hospitals. I was like, what? He goes, yeah, he goes, just trust me. So I call this guy, Seymour, wonderful gentleman. He saw my video, he goes, yeah, you suck. But <laughs> <laughs> the dinosaur is so cool, and you can have fun, and you seem like you're entertaining, and you can handle, you know, being around people. Why don't you come over to Shriners Honolulu and try one? And so I brought them my big dinosaur the very first time, and I went in there, and I still was not really that good. Uh, you know, and that's subjective even right now, but I'm still not, I wasn't that good then. And I walked in and I, I'm doing room to room visits, not a lobby. And, yeah. um, I, as soon as I, I was done with that day, I was absolutely hooked, you know, by right. that energy of going into rooms right. and kids being distracted from their pain and the medication and the parents are in the room. You could see their concern and stuff. And I was just like, wait, you telling me yeah. if I go room to room with these things, I can bring some joy to these kids and stuff. I can count me in. And then right. as it rolled forward one after another, I started getting involved right. in ventriloquism. I started studying. I met Terry Fader, the very famous ventriloquist in Vegas, through a family connection in, in his uh, executive management team. Um, about six months later, he comes into Honolulu 
He's at Shriners. Um, my cousin calls me up and says, hey, why don't you come on down and let Terry see what you can do. I did it, you know, walked around, did a little bit of puppet stuff, and he was just like, what do you need from us? And I got itty-bitty little bit of sponsorship from Terry and went from one thing to another. Yeah. Yeah. Practice, practice, practice. All of a sudden, I'm doing the hos- all the hospitals out here in Hawaii. Then I did a West Coast tour of uh, Los Angeles and Orange County of the larger, like, Los Angeles Hospital, uh, Children's Hospital. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Um, yeah. that... that you know, then now I've grown my thing into one puppet until I have like six, and they're called my healing dinosaurs. And each one right. of them have a, um, uh, for schools and stuff here, I have the anti-bully one. I have um, the happy, you know, I have many different little characters depending on what the video is going to be for. I've got a little turtle that does mm-hmm. uh, stuff for, you know, ocean, you know, ocean awareness stuff. I've got a big brontosaurus yeah. that does stuff for you know, land awareness, you know, nature, environmental stuff. And now I've got this whole thing. And I was ready to go hit um, February of this year, or no, 2020. I was partially funded, and I was going to do 100 hospitals in in, uh, 365 days across the United States, Indiana too. And um, COVID shut me down. And so now what do I do is I buy stuff for recreational therapists in hospitals Mm -hmm. and – send it out to them. And then I do special custom videos for kids in hospitals. So the recreational therapists get a hold of me and they okay. say, Hey, okay. we have a kid here that, you know, is a child here that's got a, B and C. And so what I do is I do like a two to three minute custom video where I have them yeah. tell me what's the name of the child. Uh, do they have brothers and sisters? What are the pets? What's their favorite food? What is their um, favorite sport? What do I, they want to be when they grow up? What are the name of the parents and stuff? And then I'll write a little something down, tape it onto my thing, and then I do like a video where me and Wyatt or Brandon or whomever um, just kind of open up. Hey, how you doing? What's going on? Like, oh, let's go say hi to, to Michael. Well, where's Michael? Michael's right there. Hi, Michael. How are you? Oh, my goodness. I can't see you. Can you see me? And yeah. now, you see, even you just smile just a little yeah. bit. And, you know, now if I go into it and the kid is like, Mommy, look, he knows we got fish. How did he know that? You know, and then by the end of the video, I've kind of covered, you want to be a soccer player? I bet you can hardly wait. You're going to be the best out there. And I do this and then I send it straight to the family and then they, they get it and they play for the kids. And now and then they'll record the kids seeing it for the first time, which to me is like a high, 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 you know? Yeah. Reaction video for, for you, right? (laughs) Exactly. And then that's That's it. And so for right now though, I'm going to be stuck with the videos uh, probably for another year and a half. Uh, it's going to be quite a while before I can just waltz around. And yeah. and even now, they've gotten a little harder now because of uh, um, COVID and stuff. Even yeah, the things yeah. that I'm filming now, they're going, uh, you know what, can you hold back a little bit on that? We can we really appreciate it, but, you know, uh, no touch surfaces and so on and so forth. So uh, I'm really yeah. focusing on, um, like, I'm, I've, I'm getting ready to order, like, 3,500 little masks, custom masks for kids. Oh, yeah. And send those out and stuff. So, so that's what that's all about. This, this is really, truly, 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 truly in my life where I've gone with my life, even with my music. This is my passion now. Yeah. Yeah. This, the yeah. music is my life. This is my passion. I know right. that that might not make sense, but no, yeah, I, I, I get it. I get it at least. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I can sit here and I love talking about music, but it's the same high. The same high that I get with the puppets is the same high that I get when I do my videos here and people go, oh my God, I had no idea. That's so wonderful. And the fact that I can elevate somebody 
well, that elevates a little lofty of a word, but bring a nuance to somebody for them to enjoy what is so close and personal to them just that much more. It's the same kind of buzz as I get when I do the puppets and I come around the corner and there's a kid who's getting treatment for, you know, third, fourth year of leukemia and they're all yeah. tethered to these machines. Mom's in the bed yeah. holding them and I come around the corner and go, hey, what's up? You know, and then we get a few minutes of, of a blast. So it's, it's actually yeah, the same yeah. kind of buzz. Right, right. Yeah. And so uh, on the show, I, I have and will continue to like talk about voice actors and uh kind of kind of their gig so but you you totally do voices for the the different dinosaurs they have different voices right yeah why it um well it's hard to do without the voice and and i'm just gonna move my mouth because i don't yeah. have a couple with me so. yeah, yeah that's so totally why cool. it's voice is very hey how are you what's going on oh my god i can't believe this is so cute and brandon i do um like a joe pesci hey hey, hey i'm liking here what are you doing huh Hey, yeah. Brandon Pterodactyl has got a, hey, how are you, man? What are we doing today? He's, he's a brontosaurus. He's like, uh, right. what are you humans doing? I can't. And then Makoa, yeah. Onu, which is the turtle, is like a crusher on Disney. Oh, is that jellyfish? I want some peanut butter and jellyfish. You know, so each one of them do have a character. Yeah. And uh, doc, and then I have, I don't know if you can see him. You see the one human in the corner there. Yeah, I see. Yeah. That is Dr. Cool Beans. He's my CBD doctor. He's the okay. one that I use for a little bit more of adult jokes, not adult dirty, but just more yeah, jokes yeah. that definitely go over the kids' heads. Sure. You know, and um, and see who else. So I've got that. And then I know you may not be able to see, but the one the one down here by my ukulele, that's the very first one I got. And he's okay. a parasaurolophus and he's in a bag, actually. The reason why I got him for the ranch was because he's huge. He's about this big, oh, okay. but I carry him in the bag and he's got his paws are over it like this and his, and his nice head, very character and then the tail. But I use him for Shriners and stuff because he and the character, he's a, he's a paraplegic dinosaur. Okay. And so when I go visit the kids that have those kind of issues and stuff, challenges, I just, I bring in Terry and, um, to let them know there's always going to be somebody there to be there with you if you ever need, you know, so Terry is always latched on to me, you know, so he doesn't have any back legs that are showing. He has his two front, you know, legs yeah. coming over the bag. He's sure. really happy. Yeah. You know, so each one of them have, each one of them have something really super special to play when it comes to the kids. Um, yeah. uh, performance. And then a little later this, I think probably in March, I'm going to have to tone down my channel mm -hmm. and, um, focus again on doing stuff because a lot of the department of educations are losing so much budget that I'm thinking of going ahead and shooting a series of quite a few filler series for, um, syllabus, uh, oriented videos for kids who are in second and third grade. So the teachers yeah. can take a break and talk about what you saw that I did in Hawaiian, which were the yeah. colors and the numbers. Well, to do that also in English, but with the dinosaurs to keep the attention of the teacher sure. can say, okay, everybody, let's watch this video from Abba Jeebs, and he's going to teach us about the color of the rainbows. And then sure. uh, the teacher can chill out. I don't charge for it. It's on yeah. YouTube. And just yeah. go, that's my, I give it to you. Go, take it, run, enjoy, smile, and teach something. You know? All right. Yeah, that's awesome, dude. That's really awesome. That's what I do. So it's what you do when you get old. Right. Your trajectory in life is, is, is that by the time you get to my age, it's all about giving back any way you can now. You know, yeah. it's not about, I'm not trying to build a house. I'm not trying to build a family. 
they're all done. Everything is done. Everything yeah. is done for me. Now it's just all, what can I do for everybody? Cause I could punt tomorrow, three minutes, three years or 30 years, I could die. And you know, I don't want to, I just, I don't care about a legacy as much as at least with today's social media and YouTube and stuff like that. I can leave yeah. something behind that can keep going. Right. That is cool. All right. And you know, like uh, circling back to what we said, or just injecting a little bit of positivity, uh, a little bit of meaningful happiness into the world, you know? Yeah. And, and I love it. I love it because right now it's, it's, it's probably in my puny little 60 years of this planet. This is probably the most highest anxiety, heavied out time in, in the world I've ever experienced. And so anybody who's younger than me, this is, this is a baseline of change for anybody who's younger than me. For me, it's like, ah, this is gnarly. Right. So for me to be able to go, let's put on our headsets and trip out for a while. Let's enjoy some music. Let's, let's get into the thing that, you know, makes you go, I need to get away from the world. My favorite song is, ah, right. And if I get to play a little part in that super cool beans. Right. Yeah. But no, I, like I said, I, I talk about and to, uh, voiceover artists and, and, uh, voice actors and stuff. And one of the, the guys that I follow a lot is Rob Paulson, who was, uh, yeah. Pinky from Pinky in the Brain and, uh, Yakko on the Animaniacs. And so, yeah, right. when, you know, one of the, the big thing, you know, he, he says that one of the, the, the greatest things about the gig, what, you know, he means the voice acting gig is walking into a room, especially with kids and putting smiles on everybody's face. Just all you have to do is talk and just do, do that thing that you do. And people just light up. And he was like, how, how could there be anything better than that? Especially with children, right? Especially with kids is, and especially children that are um, facing challenges that, are especially abnormal or especially challenging um, for for children to face. Yeah, no, that that's it's, that's the truth. That's that's there's something to be there's. I I just consider myself blessed to have the capacity to do that. Like, God bless those doctors and nurses, and it every yeah. day, every day, every day. You know, at least I get that opportunity to just parachute in for three, five minutes per kid yeah. and bring that, you know, happy joy. And then, of course, you know, I break off and I make the staff laugh and I have my series of jokes for them. And Sure, yeah. You know, and then they see me coming around with puppets with dinosaurs and I'm all, you know, kind of Robin Williams out and stuff. And I know a lot of people yeah. ask me about this book that I always have here. Um, I don't know if you can see yep. it. Yeah, House Calls. By Patch Adams. By Patch Adams, yeah, okay. And he saw one of my videos and stuff and reached out to me and he sent me this signed book and stuff. And he said, you know, there's no other medicine than what we do here. And, yeah. uh, and it's the truth. I mean, to, to have the patch Adams kind of reach out to me and yeah. I got this great. It's, it's like, okay, cool. I'm on the right track. I'm doing the right thing. I'm cool. All right. Right. You know, yeah. and, uh, but it's the smile. It's, it's, uh, it's definitely the smile. You walk into a room that's so heavy with energy sometimes and you just go, can I get this child to smile? And sometimes it takes about 10, 15, 20 seconds where I'm thinking, Oh my God, I'm going to flop. Yeah. And all of a sudden they come to life and they, you know, they're, they're not allowed to touch the puppets or anything in most cases. Yeah. 
then I have a great conversation with them and stuff. And then even if they're, some of them are already wrapped up on their games. They got, you know, little cell phone games. Yeah, yeah. Okay, fine. No problem. I'll play that with you. And why yeah. it gets involved and stuff. And he goes, well, what does that mean? What does that do? And before you know it, right. they're really excited to be saying, yeah. hey, this does that. Right. Yeah. Awesome. Like I said, that uh, brought up Rob Paulson. He had a, a podcast called, uh, called Talking Tunes. And at the uh, closer for every episode was laughter is the best medicine. And the best thing is, is you can't OD and the refills are free. <laughs> oh, that's great. Well, I, yeah. I, I'm not, I'm not going to use that, but I'll remember it. Cause but, that's yeah. his thing. But I, right. I, I love that. Yeah, dude. It's so it's just, but it's true. Like in what you're talking about is it's just, it's so true that that is one of the greatest medicines that, that we have access to is, is laughter and, and music. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, dude, um, is there anything else left that, that you think we should, we should touch on or if we, we kind of covered the gambit? I think, we, I think we're good. I think, you know, I'm, yeah. a, you know, I've got all kinds of crazy stories, but I mean, right. as far as what you, uh, you know, bringing me, first of all, thank you very much for bringing me into your home, into your podcast. Oh, I really yeah, appreciate no. it. And, My you know, I'm always here for another one, you know, there's no yeah. choice about that, but right uh, I'm really stoked that um, you, you're enjoying uh, what I'm doing and, and whoever may listen and, um, and check out the channel, you know, I, I just love doing it just to do it. There's no, yeah. there's no other agenda there. There's nothing. It's just right now I'm an old guy. Well, old if you're thinking 60 years old, but you know, um, I have a lot of time on my hands right now because production is really slow. And, mm -hmm. and so yeah. no one's the only, the only other thing that's really kind of fun that I'm still doing is that as people still hire me to do arrangements. And I think at that same level, I'm working with a lot of brand new songwriters that are sitting there going, well, how do I do this? I go, all right, why don't you send me what you got? And I'll listen to it and I say, listen, you know, I can, you want me to structure this for you and help you? Or then sometimes it's say, can you add a, you know, it's just doing what I used to always do. It's just add an arrangement to a track. They send me the stems. I add an arrangement, right. they pay me and they get what they want, you know? And, yeah. and, and I'm, I like to make myself really super accessible to those people. I'm not like a million dollars for a track, yeah. you know, it's like, right. it's just three chords. No problem. Send me a sandwich and a cup of coffee. Right. Yeah. So Coffee. It's that simple. If I can get that person's dream to the next level of finishing a song that sounds good. And as long as it's not so it's in a crazy arrangement or something, I'm serious. I might just do it for a cup of coffee and sandwich, you know, or, yeah. you know, a couple bucks in the tip jar kind of a thing. Right. If it's that yeah. Right on. Well, is there um, anything you, you want to plug besides the, the channel um, and, and remind the people what the channel's called so they can look it up? Uh, so it is uh, a YouTube channel. It's called Key of Jeebs. Um, I'm sure you probably drop a link somewhere. Yeah. If possible. And then if they're just kind of interested with whatever um, uh, the stuff I'm doing with the kids and the ukulele lessons, the other YouTube channel is called Abba Jeebs. It's A-B-B-A-G-E-E-B-Z. Sure. And even though I do have websites, I'm just more interested if people just yeah. want to be entertained. I don't have like a landing page and yeah. get a hold of me kind of stuff, you know? So I think that's about it, man. I, yeah. Right that's on my story. I'm sticking to it. And like I always end my videos. All right. All right. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, if you want to find me, uh, Michael from Michael's Mixdown, you can find me on uh, Facebook, Michael's Mixdown on Twitter. I'm at Michael's Mixdown. I'm on Instagram. Uh, I also started a TikTok, which is uh, M dot Mixdown. 
Um, and I just occasionally post, you know, the, the odd picture, the odd update. And uh, and that's where you're going to find links to new episodes and things like that. Uh, and then if you if you find me on TikTok, I'm still trying. I'm still navigating that space, uh, trying to figure out exactly what to put on there. But uh, I'm sure I'll come up with something goofy or, or funny. And uh, so you can follow me on uh, on those. And and please, please check out uh, Key of Jeebs on YouTube and Abba Jeebs. Also, if you're interested in uh, finding out more about like the puppeteering and, uh, you know, if you got a, if you got a buck or two to, to throw into something into like that, that would be fantastic. Amazing. Um, going towards a, a very good cause. So, um, if you've, uh, if you enjoyed this episode, then, uh, come back for more, go listen to the other ones. Go, go check out my, my friend Jeeves here. And, um, I mean, we're going to, you and I are going to continue to make waves, in here, and I hope that all you guys listening out there will make waves out there. So we'll catch you next time.